Is everybody in? Is everybody in? The podcast is about to begin. Graveyard Grumbler Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 102 of the Graveyard Grumbler Podcast. I'm your host, Tino Romero Jr., a.k.a. the Graveyard Grumbler. Today's episode is about another serial killer. I've been hooked on the cold case. Unsolved Mysteries and Serial Killers the last few days. I've been watching a lot of documentaries. I've been watching and reading a lot of news articles from the past. And I, I'm just hooked. I, I, I hate to admit it. I fell into the trap. I never thought I'd fall into it. But unfortunately, I did. So now you guys are have to, you, your guys' ears have to be tainted and flooded with the information that I've been reading about. And I just had to share this one. This one was particularly eerie, gruesome, and and very and it's just fucked up all around. I have a very special treat at the end of the episode, so please do not get out of the show until you hear the final goodbye. This is the end, uh, the the ending credit song. Okay, so let's go ahead and get started. Today's episode is about Sean Great. Who is Sean Great? You ask. Some people might know. Some people might know. I didn't know about this guy, but again, I just I just dipped into the serial killer field just a few weeks ago. So. Who is Sean Great? Sean Michael Great was born in Marion, Ohio on August 8th, 1976 to Terry Great and Teresa McFarland. He was said to have, quote, a, lived a normal, early, a normal early life. He played softball and football in his backyard and socializing and socialized with neighborhood children. Not very different. You live in a nice little hood. You want to socialize, play some football, softball. Why not? You know, that's what I, I mean. I grew up playing baseball and talking to neighborhood kids and I grew up just fine. He was charming and always had a smile on his face, which did a good job of masking his inner rage, jealousy, and simmering violence for a while, at least. So allegedly, he had these anger outbursts, which his parents didn't really think too much of. They, they kind of just overlooked it as a kid learning how to express his emotions and trying to communicate without the, with, without the know-how of fully, of fully knowing how to communicate. Now, for all my mental health peeps out there, we know that that's a red flag. Again, I worked in mental health for... A shitload of time. I was I was an intake coordinator at a mental health hospital for years and years and years, and I met individuals like this, not children. I'm talking about grown ass adults who had fits of rage, jealousy, and was simmering with violence. I mean, hell, one of my good buddies was attacked. I mean, well, he was also on cocaine, but this guy was just what the, one of the nicest people ever, real nice individual. We no one ever perceived him as a threat. I mean, he was a huge guy. This dude was like six foot something, like almost 300 pounds. This was a big boy. And unfortunately, my buddy was attacked by him one day when he was just not in his right mind. And I'm not talking about mentally. I'm talking about he altered his mind with some with some narcotics. However, the point is that this guy was so nice, no one thought anything. And so we thought it was just another day at the office. But again, this guy had a lot of inner rage that just needed a little help coming out. So with this guy, Sean Great, his parents figured the same thing. Oh, he's just a kid. It's not a big deal. This is how... This, this is how, how he, he expresses himself, and eventually he'll grow out of it. Isn't that what a lot of parents say? He'll grow out of it, right? His mother, met, his mother met Terry Great following an abusive marriage she had ended in 1972 with a man named Edward Meadows, whom she had married at 14 years old. She gave birth to one child, Barbara Charter, in 1969. So 14 years old to marry someone, we don't know. I don't know the exact age of Edward Meadows. I don't know what, what's how old he was when she married. I'm assuming he was a little older than she was. So I'm pretty sure that's all kinds of bad just to begin with. I mean, it sounds like his mother had some issues that was, that were unworked, un, unresolved. And so therefore looked for whatever comfort she can, she can, she turned to when it was received. 
Terry and Teresa had met at a bar called Baja Boats, where she worked as a dancer and married in 1974. That marriage produced two more children, two more children, Jason in 1974 and Sean in 1976. Barbara described the marriage as off and on and claimed that her mother was neglectful to the children, leaving Sean hungry on at least one occasion as a toddler and that she would, quote, go out a lot and party with her friends and would not see her until Sunday night, end quote. You know, that's kind of shitty that a mother with, I mean, do you think about it? You're, you're married at 14 years old and then you have this adult life and you don't have many responsibilities, but in your mind you don't, but in reality you have kids and you need to have the knowledge of knowing that you're responsible for the well-being and the safety of these children. But according to her daughter, the mother would go out, party, and just be gone for days on end. I mean, what, what is a kid supposed to do? It's kind of hard to, to know what your food is and where you're going to be. And I mean, it's not fair for a little child to raise her brothers and sisters. I, I'm all too familiar with that scenario. Not, not personally, as far as my siblings go, but I know people who repeatedly have said that as children— they had to raise their siblings. I mean, I know one person who actually dropped out of school because it was just impossible for her to be the mom of the house while her mom was gone and raise, and raise her siblings properly. She just had to give one up and fortunately school suffered. In school, Great was said to have had many problems and was held back for kindergarten and the, held back for kindergarten and the first grade of his education. Despite these problems, he was said to be very charming and amicable with a, very, with a former friend of his stating that, quote, all the girls like Sean, end quote. Today's, two days before Sean's sixth birthday, his parents divorced on August 6th, 1982. So when you're held back from in kindergarten and then again in the first grade, there's all kinds of red flags that should be held up. No child, unless the kid just did not show up to school at all, should never be held back in kindergarten, let alone first grade. You know, it's all you're doing is learning the basics of education. You're learning how to communicate, learning your shapes, learning your alphabets. You're learning just a lot of basic things. You should not be held back. This should have been immediate red flags. However, we're talking about the 70s and the 80s, early 80s when all this occurred. I mean, or I'm thinking about, yeah, late 70s when all this occurred. No one's going to really know what the red flags would mean later on in life. Now that we have evolved in mental health and psychiatric evaluation, of course, these are going to be huge red flags, especially coming from the, the troubled household that he came in. Again, I have mentioned it and said it several, several times. Kids who grow up in horrible, horrible, horrible households, whether it be uh, abuse, neglect, whatever the case may be, they are more prone to be sociopaths than, than kids who grow up in a fairly well-balanced home. That, that's proven statistics. If you don't believe me, look it up. Now, if there's a lot of sociopaths born, but according to statistics and according to studies, it, it is, it's flourished and exacerbated with abuse, neglect, or any sort of traumatic issues or events that have occurred in the young individual's life. Then as they grow older, they harvest and pretty much nurture the sociopathic uh, uh, the personality that's within them. And then all of a sudden, boom, it's like a powdered cake it just blows up. When Great was 11, his mother abandoned the family in Ohio to live with a man in Kentucky. Great was upset with, the, with this fair and did not like Teresa's boyfriends, continuing to live with his father for the next... Teresa's boyfriends continued to live with his father for the next four years. So after his... When Great was 11, his mother just said, peace, I'm gone. Heading out to leaving Ohio and living with a man in Kentucky. Kentucky of all states. 
Great was upset with this affair, which obviously, why wouldn't you be? I mean, this is your mom, your mommy, mommy, your mommy dearest, and she's just banning you. She peaced out to go live with a boyfriend. And of course, a young child who, who see his, sees his mom bouncing from boyfriend to boyfriend is going to have issue and probably not going to like the guys. They're probably mean to him because, hell, that's not my fucking kid, so why would I take care of him? And just being an asshole to the poor kid, you know what I mean? And so over the, over the years, yeah, you grow a resent and you grow a hatred no matter no matter who the boyfriend is, you don't want to let them in because you know very well that it's not going to last for too much longer. And the unfortunate is that he had to live with his father for the next four years. I mean, it, it, at least it's a stable home and there's not, I don't know if there's people coming in and out. I, I, I don't know, but there's just more blows to this poor, I'm not, I'm not going to say fuck this guy. I'm not going to say this poor kid, but there's just more, more negative impacts in his life that, that just sets him up for failure. Living with his father, he attended River Valley High School where he excelled as a baseball player but never played again after breaking his arm, which requires surgery following discovery of a tumor. You, you can play ball, just go back. It, it's going to be sore. Yeah, you're going to be hurting, but just go back. Build it up if you're that good of a baseball player. Harboring murderous fantasies towards his mother from a young age, his half-sister would state, saying, quote, it was a battle in the, in the, excuse me, saying, quote, it was a battle in the household, and that was apparent at a young age between the two of them, end quote, saying that his mother and his and him would bump heads. There would be, there's just a battle in the household. I mean, they're always fighting. And could you imagine being, being so young and having that much disdain for your mother that you have murderous fantasies towards her? That's some serious hatred right there. That's some, that's some serious issues that, that need to be addressed. But again, in the late 70s, early 80s, there wasn't such help for the fact that they just people didn't acknowledge that. Hell, just a few decades earlier, they were still torturing people in mental health facilities. So yeah, of course, I mean, mental health treatment and and watching and seeing these red flags get redder and redder and redder, you're not you're not gonna you're not gonna figure anything out. You're not gonna do anything to fix it. It's just all bad every day, all night. It's just all kinds of bad. According to a high school girlfriend, Greg would lay on the couch for days at a time before returning to normal. A court psychiatrist described Great as a kind of a depressed kid, in spite of his reputation as a happy youth, stating that his condition hailed from neglect and emotional detachment faced in childhood. Well, I mean, yeah, neglect and, and emotional detachment. Of course, when you have nobody to love you, zero, there's nobody to love you who you're going to have emotional detachment and you're going to have severe issues. Again, these are all red flags, like bells are ringing, alarms are sounding. This is a sociopathic for breeding farm right here where this individual is not going to grow up stable enough to be a productive member of society. This is, we know this. I've said it before. You've heard me talk about it. Hell, I, I need to get, I need to get a psychologist on my show to help me pound it to everybody that yes, depending on how you're raised and, and how you're treated as a child will have direct effect on who you are as an adult. That's, that's proven facts. Let's continue. For unknown reasons, custody of Sean and his brother Jason was transferred to their father, Terry, on June 28th, 1994, saying, look, man, I don't want you anymore. Go ahead and stay with your dad. All your all the custody, you, are, you have sole responsibility of the kids. Deuces, I'm out. And of course, that's going to that's gonna weigh heavy on the, on the children, and especially someone who's already unstable. It's not going to turn out well. I mean, it's devastating when you have little hope, even, even a glimmer of hope, that your mom is going to come back and rescue you and you're going to live happily ever after with your mother 
Because every, every child loves their mom. Everybody wants that mother, motherly love. I, I don't care. I mean, I, I've, I've, I've spoken to mental health patients who said that they were severely abused by their mother. Severely abused. And the one thing that they wanted was the acceptance of their mother and their mother's love. And I, I've even asked them out of curiosity, like, so you don't hate her? You don't resent her? You don't, you don't think that what she did was wrong? And they would flat out say, no, it was my fault. If I wasn't acting this way, she would not have abused me in the manner that I was abused. And I was like, yo, that's not true, man. That's not true. Sometimes just people aren't right. And in this case, this guy just just sounds like the mom. I mean, the mom at 14 years old, I'm pretty sure there's a history of abuse with her as well. Again, I don't know this for a fact. I'm just reading the notes and reading the reports that, that I have found. And I'm assuming... That there's, there, I'm just assuming because obviously there's no reports about it. I'm assuming that the mom had some issues of her own. Let's continue. Graduating from River Valley High School in 1995, he would break into a house in Marion County with a juvenile accomplice, accomplice on October 23rd, 1996 to steal jewelry and money. Great was given a felony burglary charge in, 19, in January 1997 and sentenced to four years in jail before being released early in October of 1997. So you're just going to... You're telling me that you're just going to serve nine months, nine months in jail on felony burglary charges and then be released early 1997. Felony burglary charge in for murder, I'm excuse, <laughs> for breaking into a house and stealing jewelry. And you're only going to serve nine months on a four-year bid, on a four-year term? Come on, man. Come, see, this is, where I, this is what aggravates me about the justice system. It doesn't matter how good of a behavior the people are. Let them serve their entire, their entire sentencing. It, it probably would have prevented a lot of things from what's going to happen as I get into the more and more of this, of this story. It, it blows my mind that people are released years early just for good behavior or showing signs of rehabilitation. It, it, it boggles me. I, I don't understand. When he was 18, he was arrested for grabbing his then- his then girlfriend by the throat. A few years later, he was arrested for breaking into his 17 year old girlfriend's home and choking her. Just eight months after this, he broke in again, slipping underneath her couch and hiding until the time was right to pounce. This time he had a butcher knife in hand. First off, I just want to, I just want to clear something up or not clear something, but I want to put something out there and try to figure out if somebody can help me. Look, I own some pretty big couches. My couches are very nice. I'm not, I'm not saying anything to brag, but even then, there's maybe enough for up to my forearm, or if not, my maybe my bicep. I don't have 37-inch pythons. I mean, although it sounds like I do, I don't have 37-inch pythons. So if, if I can stick my arm, I can maybe, by wiggling and, try, and thinking skinny, get it up to my shoulder. And that's with a lot of strain. It's a lot, with a lot of pressure, and that's with a lot of uncomfort or discomfort trying to get my arm for that, yeah, that deep. Now, the reports, and I read this on several different articles and different reports, that he was he slipped underneath the couch and hid until the time was right to pounce. Okay, now, if this boy isn't like a fucking spaghetti noodle or angel hair pasta, how in the hell did this fool slide under the couch and not be seen? That, that doesn't make any sense to me. I'm not there. I wasn't there. This was back in the, in the 90s or the, I mean, I was, I was around in the 90s, but. That doesn't make any sense. That statement sounds very conflicting to me. Again, but I'm not a cop. I wasn't there, so I can't 
determine for sure. I'm just going off of the reports that I'm reading. But if it, has anybody slipped under your couch? If you hit under your couch, let me know in the in the comments. Graveyard Grumbler podcast on Instagram, Graveyard Grumbler podcast on Podbean, or just you can just email me, graveyardgrumbler at mail.com. Again, graveyardgrumbler at mail.com. I want to know, have has any one of my listeners been able to hide underneath their couch or a couch in general? So let's get into his dating and his married life. Obviously, we've, we've touched base on his early childhood. So we're, we're going to start getting into as he progresses older in life. And of course, we know off of experience in previous episodes that I've covered, it doesn't, it usually doesn't get better. Right? Right. Still, Sean Gray's charm and apparent friendliness were welcoming to women, and he went on to have three children with three different women. His ex-wife, Amber Nicole Bauman, however, recalls him saying, saying, quote, if I can't see my daughter, no one will, end quote. What I don't understand is why wasn't that reported? Why wasn't that seen? And I'm pretty sure there was some sort of, of abuse and there's some sort of, of issues in that relationship. I'm not saying it was a marriage. I, I It didn't say that they were married. It just says that he had children from three different women. But if, if somebody made that statement saying, if I can't see my daughter, no one will, then that's assuming that he's going to kill his kid. That would be an immediate red flag, and I would, I, I personally would have f- filed a police report and sent it into the police. I mean, if, if am I wrong? Tell me if I'm wrong. If 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 that was an overreaction on my part, or if, if you think I'm overreacting, let me know. But I don't. I think that if someone makes a credible threat, that I mean, you can see it in someone's eyes, you can hear it in someone's tone of voice if they're serious or not. I think that would have been. One of those things that you, you need to report it immediately. Eventually, he moved on and began dating Christina Hildreth. The pair were happy and content in the beginning, but Great couldn't hide his true colors for long. Not only did he become violent, controlling, and jealous, he would also show signs of being cold and indifferent towards his confused girlfriend. That has to be rough. I mean, golly, you, how, how good of a con artist and how good or how, yeah, I mean, how well balanced, or not balanced, but how well... I can't even think of the word, but being able to hide those two signs, being able to keep it at bay for long enough to gain the trust, learn how to manipulate these women, and then boom, like just like a fucking flick of the light, you're, you're it's 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 over. Once Great beat his partner in the face multiple multiple times and grabbed her tightly by the throat, notable since strangulation was Great's preferred method of murder. Great was arrested for the attack and jailed for 180 days, only for 180 days. He beat his partner in the face, punched the fuck out of her face. Choked her. Not, I mean, it says grabbed her tightly by the throat. No, he fucking choked her. And out of all that, considering his previous felony charge, yeah, it was it was it didn't have to do with with assault, but at the same time, he still had a felony charge on his record, and he only got 180 days for choking and beating his wife, or excuse me, his partner. It doesn't specifically say his wife. It says his partner. Only 180 days. Our our justice system is is flawed. Severely flawed, and I and I and I screen that every single time I read shit like this. It wasn't just romantic relationships he struggled with. When Great asked his friend for a loan, which was declined, he sent his former pal a chilling text saying, "Quote, meet the other me." End quote. Look, man, I love my friends. My friends know me, especially my OG double double OG long term friends that I've known for ten plus years. I have only a handful, only a handful. But if they ever sent me a text like that saying, meet the other me, I'm like, look, man, you tell me the date, you tell me the time, and you tell me the location, 
and I will be there so you can catch these paws. I have I, ha- I have two hands and they're rated and they're rated wide for you. You know what I mean? You're not gonna threaten me like that. I mean, meet the other me because I'm not gonna give you money. Get the fuck out of here. Come on now. Oh, I tell you. I think I'm gonna make shirts with that saying. I think I'm gonna make shirts that say "Boy, I tell you" on the back of it with my with my graveyard grumbler logo. I need to find some. If anybody knows a good place to make shirts, let me know. Side note. Let's continue. After this, great floated around the city of Mansfield, hopping from woman to woman, taking advantage of their kind natures and offerings of goodwill. Instead of holding that a job, great saw women women as opportunities. What a fucking bum. Instead of holding down a job, he would rather manipulate and rob women for what they barely had. If not, if they were trying to be kind and help this individual. And instead, he, he exploited them and, and, and fucking robbed them pretty much. So let's get into the, the part that, the, that everyone is wondering about. Let's get into the victims and the murders. I, mean, I told you he was a serial killer. So obviously, with serial killers comes victims and murders. Around this time, he met his first two victims, Rebecca Lacey and Candace Cunningham. Rebecca was a sex worker, and her body was found on March, 5th, on March 2015. Her death was ruled an overdose, but her untimely death was far from accidental. Great says he strangled her after she stole $4 from his place of work. $4. Look, I used to slang some dope. All right. I, wasn't, I, I was with the scourge of the earth for a, a time in my junior, senior year. But I never, not once, never, not once, never wanted to rough somebody up for four measly dollars. Four measly dollars? Come on now, man. You can get four dollars by collecting cans. The fuck out of here with that murdered woman for four dollars. Shut up. Candace Cunningham lived, lived with Great in Mansfield before her disappearance in 2015. At the time, the police came up with nothing. There was one person who knew exactly where Cunningham was. Great. He would eventually lead police to her body lying behind a burned down house in Richland County on the day of his arrest. So I was reading a, a little bit more information on the Candace Cunningham. They, they declared her missing and nobody knew where she was at back in uh, 2015. However, there was one person who knew that Cunningham was staying with Great for the longest time. But out of fear, from my understanding, at least that's what I read in the reports, that they were afraid to say anything because he, the person, I can't remember if it was a female or male, knew that Great had murdered her or strongly assumed that Great had murdered Cunningham. I mean, if you're, if you're afraid of wanting to get killed, then yeah, I mean, I wouldn't drop dimes either. It's that, that saying snitches get stitches isn't for anything. It's not just for, it, it's not just because it's, it's, it's not true. You know what I mean? Especially if this guy is kind of off. Elizabeth Griffith had been missing for about a month before Great was arrested. Her body was found at the yellow Ashland house where Gate was arrested. An autopsy concluded she was strangled to death. God damn. Stacey Stanley's family had reported her missing the week before Great was arrested. Her body was found at the Ashland house where Great was arrested. She is also known as Stacey Hicks. An autopsy concluded she was strangled to death. Now, I repeated the same thing, Stacey Stanley's family, because just because of the fact that it, there was there was two people that were actually found in the same exact house that Great was staying at. There was a let me see. There was a Liz, Elizabeth Griffith, and then there was Stacy Stanley, or she also she also went by Stacy Hicks, and she was found strangled to death at the same Ashland house where where, where Great was arrested. Let's continue. Great claims to have killed another woman who was found dead in Marion County, Ohio, in 2006, and remained unidentified for 13 years. Great has stated he believes her name was Dana. Come on, what do you mean you believe? 
you're so disconnected with your victims, which is very common. I, I shouldn't, I shouldn't act re- unrealistic. I mean, it's reality. So many of the serial killers are disconnected from, from their victims that they honestly don't remember names. They just remember trophies that were collected from them. Like, oh, for this gal, I collected, you know, a ring. I collected her panties, her bra, a scrunchie, something in that manner. That's the only way that a, a, a serial killer usually connects with their victims. It's very rare that they actually know the victim's name. Again, they're abducted and, and, and just whatever's done after that is done. In January 2018, isotope analysis indicated she was likely from the southern United States. The victim was identified in June 2019 by the DNA Doe Project as Dana Nicole Lowry, 23 of Minden, Louisiana. Lowry had two daughters, aged one and five at the time of her death, and was separated from her daughter's father. So this gal was missing for a long time. Nobody knew who she was. Come to find out, when they finally identified who this young woman was, she had, she had uh, two daughters, one age and one five. Could you imagine losing your mom in such a brutal way? That's insane to me. It's crazy to me. Grades' violence and depravity were to be turned up a notch with his next victim. Her name has not been identified by police who referred to her as Jane Doe. Doe knew Great as she played badminton with him around her apartment complex, but once Great had gained her trust, he switched to violent he switched to the violent monster he'd exposed dozens of other women to. He trapped her in his apartment and forced her to endure days of torture and rape. According to reports, they were reading Bible script, scriptures, and this gal, Jane Doe, went to his, went to his uh, apartment to finish reading the Bible, and during the process of her reading one of the scriptures, he walks up to her, snatches the book out of her, beats, snatches the Bible out of her hands, and then beats the shit out of her and proceeds her to bound her and rape her for several days. With her hands bound and tied to the bed, the, women's, the woman said she was sexually assaulted, saying, quote, in every way imaginable, end quote. The first night of Doe's captivity, Great barely slept, giving her no chance to escape. After another day of incessant torture and assaults, Great eventually passed out. Can you imagine just being, being raped and beat for so long that the person who's abusing you just finally passes out from exhaustion? I mean, I, I, I'm, not trying to, I'm not trying to put horrible images in your head, but, but just, just, I couldn't, me personally, just reading this, I read, I read this, this, uh, the, 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 <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm tongue-tied, give me one second, all right, so I read over the research that I did several times before actually doing the podcast episode, I was real close on, on trying to figure out if I was going to do this on my Patreon, because it's a paywall, and people understand that, once it's on the pay, the Patreon, it's a little more graphic than other than my regular podcast episodes. But I just felt like this one needed to go out. This one needed one of those those. It, it just needed to be put out there. And I mean, I couldn't imagine just being for several days nonstop until the until your abuser passes out to be abused in every way imaginable. God, that's insane. His phone was right next to him going off, but the kidnapper seemed to be in too deep of a sleep to acknowledge the phone ringing beside him. Beside him, Now, that is a good indication that this guy is exhausted. If your phone is ringing and you are too, you are too exhausted to answer the phone. Now, I've been extremely beat and I've been extremely tired, but if I leave my phone on, it's because I know I'm expecting a phone call. I don't usually leave my phone on when I go to sleep. I just don't do that because I don't want to be woken up by a phone call or by text or something. So I, I just leave it off. But this guy was so exhausted that the phone was ringing, which I'm assuming was on on an audible ringtone. 
and he still didn't wake up. Bash his head in with a Louisville slugger and get the fuck out of there, lady. Jane Doe saw this as her opportunity to escape, and she reached over her sleeping captor as stealthy as she could to pick up the phone and dial 911, still partially bound. She spoke as quietly as she could to avoid waking great, waking, waking great up, saying, quote, I've been abducted, she whispered. The operator asked if she could escape, to which she replied that she couldn't because she was scared of waking her attacker up. God damn, can you imagine the, the fear, the, the anxiety of being caught, the, the possibility of being rescued and not being murdered? All, all those emotions and all those feelings running through your body at one time. And then can you imagine reaching over the very person that you know is, has been abusing you just to grab the phone so you can reach out for help? I, I, oh my gosh. Oh, I tell you, that's crazy. That's crazy. I mean, I know I keep saying that it's crazy, but I, this case right here, this case right here, though, this case right here, I'm, not, I'm, I'm telling you, this case caught me by the, by the boo-boos. I, 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 was, I was extremely shocked when I read about this case. Suddenly, the quiet woman said, oh, shit, and the line went quiet for a few minutes. The operator could only guess what might have been happening to the woman stuck in the bedroom with her violent rapist. Oh, my. Can you imagine the 911 operator? You're trying to contact, you're trying to get all the information you can so you can send a rescue unit to go rescue her. And then she says, oh shit, and the line goes completely quiet. Could you, could you imagine that? Oh my gosh. No, see, I'm, get, I'm getting all worked up and I'm not even involved in it. I'm not even, I'm not even going with it. By the way, the, 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 the surprise that I have, I have the full 911 call at the end of the show for your, for your listening curiosity. After what, what must have seemed like an eternity, the woman picked up the phone. The, the woman picked the phone back up. She'd bumped Great's taser, waking him up. Luckily, he sat up in the bed and stared at the floor before and lay back down again, not realizing that his victim had the police on the line and had directed them to the house where she was being held hostage. Waking him up, he sits up out of bed, but doesn't he's so fucking exhausted that all he does is stare at the floor and then lays back down because he just cannot stay awake. I mean, it's a double-edged sword. Good thing that he was that exhausted, but at the same time, it's shitty that the reason why he was that exhausted. I mean, oh my gosh. I, oh, that's, that's crazy. I, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm actually tongue-tied. I'm pretty dumbfounded right now. I don't really have the words to fully express what I'm thinking other than with a, an insane amount of explicitives that I can just shoot off because of, of I'm, I'm anxious and I'm not even the one making the call. I'm not even the 911 operator. When police, when police arrived at the property, they were met with more bodies than they'd expected. Great had been mercilessly killing the women who dared to trust him. And some of them were decomposing in the house he was squatting in. There were reports saying that the one was in the closet decomposing. Oh my gosh. Police, when they walked in, immediately caught a horrible stench of death. When they went looking for the house, they found women who were decomposing. They were bound and naked, and their bodies were legitimately decomposing, filling the house up with the foul odor of a decomposing dead body. Just as an individual, how can anybody, anybody, have that in their, in their house just rotting away and not worry about the smell. This is how disconnected this fucking guy was. He just didn't, just didn't give a shit at all about anything. So arrest and trial. 
obviously he was arrested. I mean, the cops found him in the act of, 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 uh, kidnapping and hostage and, and rape and abuse. I mean, yeah, he was arrested. Gray was subsequently arrested and taken in for questioning. The bodies of Stacey Stanley and Elizabeth Griffith were found in the home. Both women had been strangled to death. The twisted web of manipulation and murder that Great had spent most of his adult life weaving was was abruptly unraveling. You're you're working on a missing person a missing persons case. You have no idea where they're at. You can't find them. You're looking every which way only to go rescue someone and then find the people you you couldn't find on a call unrelated to the individuals that have been missing for some time. Could you imagine the relief, the the anger, the anguish, the every, all kinds of emotions from the family, from the law, from law enforcement? Oh, I, I I couldn't I couldn't imagine. I, I I couldn't I couldn't imagine walking into the house smelling the decomposing bodies, seeing this gal bound and beat. And, and raped in every way imaginable. I, I, all those as an officer, I'm pretty sure they needed therapy after that. After his arrest, Great was initially hesitant to give any information to police, often climbing up and being incoherent in his answers. However, under persistent questioning, he confessed his litany of crimes. Great led, Great led police to Cunningham's body in a burn house in Richland County. He told police he strangled Rebecca Lacey to death after she stole $4 from him in a bar. In it, he strangled Rebecca Lacey to death after she stole $4 from him in a bar. Four measly dollars. Great also claims to have killed another woman who was found dead in Marion County in 2007. He told police he thought her name was Dana. The victim was identified in, in June 2019 via DNA as Dana Nicole Lowry, who was 23 years old. That's the gal that I mentioned earlier who had the child of the ages of one and five and who lost their mother in a brutal, n- unnecessary fashion. I mean, you don't lose your mother in any, in any necessary fashion, but that right there, that's the least of, of, of it all. Prior to sentencing, Great expressed his fear of facing the death penalty, saying, quote, I would... Oh, my gosh. (sighs) Hold on. Give me a second. Like, I don't... When when I do the research, I I just skim through it, and I drop it in there, and I make my adjustments, adding my own stuff, and I don't... I don't fully read it. Maybe I should start. All right. Let let me... Let me start this again. Prior to sentencing, Great expressed his fear of facing the death penalty, saying, quote, I really would like to stay alive through all this, end quote. He told police officers, chillingly, he also said, saying, quote, I would have loved to have been able to do a lot, but I know I wouldn't have been able to get away with it. I would have loved to have been able to do a lot, but I know I wouldn't have been able to get away away with it. This guy right here is is off. I mean, he wants to stay alive through the whole thing. He doesn't want to face the death penalty. I'm assuming because he's afraid to die. But at the same time, he's going to say, I, I wish I could have done a lot more. But I know I, I wouldn't have been able to get, get away with it. Dude, that, that's, some, that's some fucked up shit. A grand jury indicted Great on two counts of aggravated murder in the deaths of two women, Stacey Stanley and Elizabeth Griffith, and the kidnapping and multiple sexual assaults of an identified, unidentified woman whose 911 call to Ashland police led to Great's arrest on September 13, 2016. That was only a few years ago. In court documents, her name has been redacted. 
God damn. She's being referred to as Jane Doe. Great was indicted on 23 counts, all first, second, or third degree felonies. Lesser charges included breaking and entering, burglary, and tampering with evidence. Why, why even give him that? Just throw the goddamn book at him. Literally grab the book with spikes on it and throw it right at his goddamn face. He doesn't deserve anything but a first direct pass to the death penalty. He murdered, brutally murdered and brutally tortured several women. One who was fortunate and unfortunate to get away. I say fortunate because she lived with her life. She, she got away with her life and unfortunate because now for the rest of her remaining years, she has to deal with the PTSD and the, and the memories of being abused for several days. It, it, it's, a, it, it's a double-edged sword, you know? Should I stay in here and die or should I stay away and, and let it get mentally torment me for the remaining years of my life? I don't, I don't know. Which one would you choose? I don't know. I don't know what I would choose. I honestly don't. Great was represented in court by court-appointed attorney Rolf Whitney, who entered a plea of not guilty on all charges on his behalf. In a press interview, Great confessed to five murders. Great's attorneys later filed a plea of not guilty by reason of insanity. His trial date was set for November 6, 2017, and was later delayed to April 9, 2018. There's no reason for insanity. Yeah, this dude's off his fucking rocker, but I think that 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 right there, that escape goat, is used way too often. I'm not a psychologist, psychiatrist. I'm not anything that's going to be able to determine anybody's mental health. I'm not. I wish I was, but I'm just not. But I feel in my unlearned opinion, again, this is just my opinion, that several serial killers who are often in their right mind because their mind are as as fucked up as, as their mind is at that time because of years and years and years of, of whatever formed them, they know directly and, and specifically what they are going to do. A lot, of the, a lot of stuff is premeditated. In this case, I believe great premeditated this to choose and pick the women that trusted him and he would gain their trust specifically for, for the end result to be murder, rape, and, and whatever he, in his sick, twisted little mind that he had planned. Now, I think that that in this case, I don't, I don't feel because he did gain the trust after several days. It wasn't just a, a, a snatch and grab. It wasn't, it, wasn't, it wasn't something spontaneous. This was planned out over several days trying to gain the women's trust. So I don't think reason by, by insanity is a good, it's a good defense. I, again, that's just my opinion. I'm not a lawyer. I'm not anything that can valid, valid, have a valid point or this isn't done by studies. This is just my opinion. In my opinion alone. That's why it's a Graveyard Grumbler podcast. Ashland County Prosecutor Christopher R. Tunnel said that given the depraved actions and the gruesome evidence, he would seek the death penalty. Boom. Hell yeah. Death penalty. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. Sean Grade has also been charged in the deaths of his former girlfriend, Candace Cunningham and Rebecca Lacey in neighboring Richland County and has also been charged in the death of Dana Nicole Lowry, 23, who died in 2006 and was found in 2007 in Marion County. To give them all, give, give it all to him. Give it all to him. In the second of two letters he sent to Cleveland news station, WEWS News 5 Cleveland, reporter Megan Hickey, great to reporter Megan Hickey, great attributed his motives to saying, quote, government assistance, writing it, writing that it took his victims' minds. Part of the note says, quote, they were already dead. Just their bodies were flopping wherever it can flop, but their minds were already dead. The state took their minds. 
once they started receiving their monthly checks. End quote. Greg claimed he once received a $197 food card and that he... And that he was never able to receive any encouragement, though many bodies received $700. Motherfucker, that's because you probably didn't have any kids. You weren't claiming any kids. You didn't have any kids to feed. That's why you were only getting $197. Your ass is lucky you even got $197. Talking about that's all I got was $197. Well, you shouldn't have gotten anything. You should have got your ass to work. But how are you going to write that that's the reason why you decided to do what you do? Because you were angry and jealous that people were getting more money than you. On, on government assistance. It's called assistance, man. Boy, I tell you. After Gray gave details of the murders to two different news organizations while in custody, attorneys for the defense and prosecution jointly requested and obtained a gag order preventing Great from communicating any further with the media. On January 6, 2017, a competency hearing determined Great is fit to stand trial. Boom. Right on the money. Good. Competent to stay on trial, to stand trial. That's that's what's up right there. There's no reason why he shouldn't have been able to stand trial. I'm telling you. Again, I'm not I'm not the doctor or anything like that. I'm just giving my opinion. An evaluation released March 6th based on a January 17th assessment to evaluate Great's claim of insanity declared that he was not insane at the time the crimes were committed. Great's counsel then withdrew the plea of not guilty by reason of insanity on April 7th, 2017. What blows my mind is that it takes so long to prosecute people in, in the United States. I, again, I don't know the system. I don't know exactly what the steps are, but it just seems like it takes way too long to file and get people put behind bars. Yeah, granted, he was behind bars during the entire time because he, in, in, he was detained and uh, arrested. But for him to actually start serving out his sentence forever, why does it take so goddamn long? If I have any lawyers or judges out there listening to my podcast, let me know. GraveyardGrumbler at Mail.com. Again, that's GraveyardGrumbler at Mail.com. I would love to know why it takes so goddamn long. And I've said it once and I've said it a bunch of times. I don't understand a defense lawyer. I don't understand a defense lawyer being able to, to still defend an individual even though he, he admitted it, he has admitted that he committed such atrocious crimes. I don't, I don't understand why. I mean, if I was a defense lawyer and he says, yeah, man, I did it. Well, that was it. I'm done. I'm not, I'm not going to defend you because I can't defend someone. I can't defend someone who has admitted to committing such horrible acts. I can't do it. There's, there's no way. What, are you going to get lesser, a lesser sentence? Again, if I have any defense lawyers out there, please email me, graveyardgrumbler at mail.com, graveyardgrumbler at mail.com, and let me know what, what ticks behind your head in order for defense lawyers to defend people who have committed such gruesome crimes and have admitted it to their lawyers, but yet they, are, they continue to defend them. Let me know. I'm, I'm curious to know. Graveyard Grumbler's final wrap. Let's go ahead and wrap this episode up. I, I think I've shared enough of this, of this horrible case and and details with you guys. So on December 10th, 2020, it was reported that Great lost his appeal against the death sentence with the Ohio Supreme Court upholding the sentence by stating there is no mitigation or reversible error in Great's case on the grounds of dismissing the appeal. Great is scheduled to be executed on March 19th, 2025. Why wait? Again, why wait so goddamn long? He's found guilty. We we he he admitted to the to the crimes why wait for so long to to get rid of this guy to put him on on death send him on the on the uh, to uh, get executed 
again, I, I'm not, I don't know the exact reasons why I'm, I'm going to have to look it up, which I would rather have someone tell me <laughs> if there's a lawyer or if there's a, a judge out there who can fill in my, my brain, why it takes so long after, after the verdict has been handed out for someone to be, to be taken to death road or to the death penalty or to the actual execution. Now, I understand there's a certain amount of years that you have to have for uh, appeals and all this other stuff. But if all the appeals have been denied and there's no chance of them, like, the, like in this case, if there's no chance of them reversing the, 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 um, the charge or, or the sentencing, why not just take them to death row immediately? I mean, after, why not take them to, to get executed immediately right after that has been determined? Why continue waiting several more years? And it's not about, oh, I'm, I'm wasting the taxpayer money. No, I don't care about that. What I care about is letting this individual live, knowing that he has taken the lives and, and shortened the lives of so many young women out there. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm firmly for, if you are guilty without, without a doubt, if they can 100% show that you are guilty, or if you yourself has, has admitted to the, the gruesome charges or the heinous uh, crimes that you've committed, then there shouldn't be a wait time on death penalty. I, I'm, I am fully for capital murder if it is, if it is without a doubt pointed and, and known for a fact that you are the guilty one. That's just my opinion. The date is when he is used to be transferred. Let me see here. In March 19, scheduled to be executed in March 1925. That date is when he is to be transferred to Lucasville. The, the method of execution is to be used to be used is to be determined. Ohio no longer uses lethal injection as of 2020, but state law does not currently permit any other method. So that means a long run. Since Ohio no longer uses lethal injection, then there is no other method currently. And so he's not going to be executed. He's going to continue living out his life in prison until he dies of, quote, natural causes. Come on now. We, we, we have to do better as a, as a justice system. We're, we're, we're just fucking it up. I mean... These individuals, these young ladies, were one was was brutally, brutally tortured for several days. And then there's four other ones or three or four other ones that their lives were taken away way too early, one leaving two kids behind. But we're going to let this individual live happy as a bug in a rug in prison for the remaining of his years when he when he ended people's years without any discrimination. I don't, I don't understand why and how that is a thing. I don't know. I mean, as far as serious kill, serial killers, this is probably up there with one of the most gruesome, not gruesome, but one of the most obscene, violent, absurd, violently insane cases that I read. I mean, he didn't have, he didn't murder a lot of people. I mean, but one is too many of you ask me, but in this case, because he's a serial killer, there wasn't very, there wasn't many that he took out. But unfortunately the way he did it was in such brutal fashion that I, I had to do an episode on it. So other than that, like I said, I do have a treat. Do not click away. I have the, the 911 call. It's going to be about 15 minutes long. So hopefully you enjoy that. I mean, I, I enjoy 911 calls cause it's creeps me out. It's like, it's like listening to a horror movie and I'm using my imagination to paint the scene. That's why I put the 911 calls on here. It's, it's, it's a creepy, it's really eerie and it just, oh man, it just gets you really anxious. So hopefully you enjoy it. I released another Patreon episode today. I, I'm trying to do it every single week so I can stay on top of it for my wonderful Patreon supporters. It's only $5, one tier, you get more episodes. Some are, are, I just have a range of different episodes for different times. 
Some are, are just crazy that I, they're too graphic for me to put on the regular podcast. Um, I'm going to be doing spooky stories here in a little bit. I just have some freshly written out that I'm going to put on the, on the Patreon here in a couple of days, probably next week. But just go join. $5 forever. I'm, I'm never going to change the tier. I have one tier. You get unlimited. Every, everything that I put on there, even when I start getting my merchandise out, everyone on my Patreon is going to have the same exact discounts. I'm not going to have a higher tier, lower tier. No, I know how it is to be strapped for money at times. And I felt that $5 was reasonable. And no matter what, you're going to get great discounts. You're going to get great uh, accommodations. Everything's going to be really nice for the Patreon people because, I mean, if you're paying extra to support me, I'm going to do everything I can in my power to make sure that it's well worth you supporting me. I am honestly working on, on getting merchandise. Hopefully I can get that soon. But every, every vendor that I get end up backing out on me or they want to charge me an exuberant amount just for something that I, I, I've looked around. And I just can't, I can't fathom paying that much money for. So I'm working on, on, on uh, merchandise. I really am. I promise I just have to find the right price and the right vendor where they don't kill me on shipping and handling. So other than that, uh, I appreciate everything. Thank you so much for listening. Stay tuned. I have a special treat again. It's going to be the 911 call here. And thank you very much. Again, all the, my Patreon will be in the show notes. And as always, good morning, good day, good night, goodbye. Nine one one. what is the address to your emergency? By the Fourth Street Laundry Mat. What is it? Fourth Street Laundry Mat. What's the problem? I've been exhausted. What's your name? How do you spell your last name? Who abducted you? John Green. You said John Green? Sean Great. Where's she at now? Asleep. Where's she sleeping at? In the bedroom. In what bedroom? There's two houses right by the laundry street. And it's in one of those houses. But you're at the laundromat? No, I'm I'm in the bedroom with them. What color's the house? If I'm looking at the laundry mat, which way is it? If you're looking in the laundry mat, it's one on the left of the two. You don't know what color the house is? No. Please hurry. Did she have a car? No. Mom, he said down the street. What's your phone number you're calling me from? I don't know. Can you think it's a yellow house? I think so, but it's on the left. Is it an apartment? No, it's a house. Okay, does he own the house? No, he broke into it. Does anybody actually live there? I think they've been abandoned. And his name is Sean Great? Yes. Like G-R-A-T-E? Yes. Does he have a weapon? He's got a taser. Where do you live? What does he look like? Is he a white male or a black male? White. 
Is he like six foot or is he shorter than that? He's like six one, six two. Do you know how much he weighs? Probably one seventy five. Are you injured? A little. What color is his hair? Brown. Do you know what color his eyes are? No. What's he wearing? Nothing right now. Okay, stay in the home with me. Line with me, okay? Is he still sleeping? Yes. Where did he take you from? My, my apartment. I mean, I was walking with him. You were walking with him? Mm-hmm. Or were you walking too? I've known him for like a month and a half. Is there any way you can get out of the building? I don't know without waking him, and I'm scared. Is there a bathroom in the house? Well, his bedroom is closed, and he made it so it would make noise. If you told him you had to go to the bathroom, he would do something to you? Yeah, because he had me tied up. Are you tied up now? Well, I... Yeah, but I kind of freed myself. Is he in the same room with you? Is it his phone you have? Yes. Are they on the way? Yeah, we have officers we're sending. Okay. Please send enough. Okay, if, you, if you're worried, you don't have to talk. You can just set the phone down, okay? I just need to hear if the officers find you or not. Okay. Are you upstairs or are you downstairs? We're downstairs. There's a door. There's a side door on... The right of the left house, and that's where we enter. Immediately, there's a kitchen right there, and then the bedroom is right, right off from the kitchen. Okay. Do you need an ambulance? Bleeding from anywhere? Not anymore. Where were you bleeding from? You don't have to talk if you don't need to, okay? Do you know where he lives? Oh. Oh, shit. 
officers outside? No. Okay, they're in the area. See, I think you come in the side door still, like, so, um, softly. Is there a padlock on the bedroom door, or is it just a regular lock? No, I don't even, I don't even know if it's locked. It's not, so. Can you get up and see if you can get out? that noise? First floor. Are you at the house closest to the laundromat or the other one? Are you the one closest to the laundromat or the other one? You were standing in the laundromat looking at the two houses that would be on the left. Here, look out of the laundromat. So if you're looking at the laundromat, you're the one on the right. At the laundromat. If you're looking at the laundromat, you're the one on the left. Side door. The side door. The side door to the right. 
hear him. Can you hear him? Okay, do you think you can get out? Are you out of the bedroom? It doesn't have a doorknob. You need to push. The door doesn't have a doorknob? Can you see them? He said push the door. Are they on the other side of the door? Yeah, I think so. She said how do you guys push the door? There's no doorknob there. Just push it. you get out of the bedroom? And the door is Can you hear anybody right now? She heard the side door open. You're out. Okay, can you get to the door where you can see out? Huh? Can you get out of the house? It's locked. Are you at the door? Yeah, I am. She's at the door. You're on the door to the right hand side of the house. She's at the door on the right side of the house. She got out of the bedroom. Is there a window there? Yeah, I'm looking out and they tell them to come back. She said Hurry, hurry. She said to hurry up and come back. Can you Yeah, they can see me if they come to it. The door is locked. No, the bedroom door had no door handed. This was, she is locked. She can't get out. Can you unlock the door at all? Get out, get out, get out here. Where is he? Is that him sleeping? Still sleeping? Yeah. Okay, they have her. He went on her arm. He's on her arm? Yeah. All right. You need to go.
Where are you? Oh, okay. Go on in. Here's the blanket. Well, if you can't be in there, here, cover yourself up. Tell me what happened. What happened? This is the end. This is the end. This is the end. Graveyard Grumbler Graveyard Podcast. Grumbler.